Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland preview show. Sunderland got back to winning ways on Saturday as they saw for Rotherham United thanks to two goals from Job Bellingham and are back on the road again this week as we approach a trip to the Midlands as we face Coventry City, our old uh, friends, shall we say. Um, but like ourselves, Mark Robinside reached the playoffs last year. They've obviously lost key players over the summer though, so we have recruited Ross from Sky Blues Extra to give us a lowdown on what's been going on since the summer and also what's been happening in the opening weeks of the season. Ross, I'm going to pretend we haven't had a good five-minute chat beforehand, mate, and pretend we've just spoke. How are you doing? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, cheers for having me on, mate. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Like you said, it's uh, it was a tough summer. Obviously, like you said, I think for yourselves, it was probably a little bit less in terms of you just kind of snuck in there, really, didn't you? And it was kind of a free-for-all, and you could have probably beat Luton on your day, but it was just one of them things, wasn't it, where they just they beat you on what they were good at set pieces, whereas for us, we were... We we were kind of the same, but looking at the two games, we actually were probably better than Middlesbrough second half at home. And then in the actual away leg, we were the, we were the better team. Yes, they had the ball, but they didn't really create much. And we went there, basically done them over, won 1-0 and went to the final full of confidence. And <laughs> to, I remember I was in the gym on the Friday night and I just said to this, but he's, he's a Villa fan. And he literally said, he said, how are you feeling? And I said, right, I am a bit nervous. I said, but the one thing I do not want to lose on is a penalty shootout. And I literally remember as we got to penalties, thinking back to that conversation, and I just thought, I've jinxed myself here really, really badly, haven't I? Like, I can't believe it's actually gone to penalties. I really thought it would be done in, in like normal time or extra time. I couldn't believe that we'd got that far. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough summer, mate. But for us, it's quite a quite a nice summer to be honest it's been quite refreshing because obviously we've got Doug King in now so we've got obviously any of your viewers that don't really know which I'm guessing they do obviously we've got got a new owner during sort of the World Cup stage about mid-November last year um Sisu sort of parted ways with Coventry City they sort of sold 85% of the club um, and then sort of around January time he sort of bought the other 15% of the club um, as well obviously we didn't have any funds last year really at all we just had a squad we didn't spend a single penny last year which is another thing really that we pride ourselves on for getting to the playoffs because it just shows teams you don't have to spend ridiculous amounts of money if you have a core of a team obviously we did have good individual players but you have a core of a team that stick together and a good manager you can you can do good things together so yeah, we obviously didn't spend any money. We were in that position. We managed to get to the playoffs. But as you just touched on at the start, um, we lost Victor Jokeres in the summer. Obviously, he moved on to sport in Lisbon for, I think, I think it was around £20 million, but about €23 million. Euros. Um, there's add-ons in that. Obviously, he's got a salon clause and he's got a release clause as well. But we get, I think, 20 to 25% of that. So, obviously, that's a future investment for Coventry City as well. And then, obviously, we lost... Very recently, and <laughs> dagger to the heart moment, um, Gustavo Hamer about a week ago on Friday at midnight, he uh, he unfortunately moved on to new endeavours at Sheffield United in the Premier League, um, and that they reckon that's around fifteen to seventeen million pounds as well, um, and obviously we got a salon clause for that, I believe, as well, and and, and things like that. But it's, it's football at the end of the day. Players want to play at the highest level. If you've got teams that can double their wage and things like that. We always, personally, from my perspective, I knew Jokerez was going. We all knew Jokerez yeah. was going. It was after the playoffs when he cried. He waved to the fact, you know when someone's going. The one that we didn't expect, we knew there was a chance, but we knew we could keep more because he was a bit more with what we thought was sentimental with the club was, was Hamer. And obviously, the longer it went on, 
the more that things were happening, people started to talk. They were saying, oh, he's, he's going to be announced with the kit, blah de blah And I was always the whole time, the longer this goes on, the more I'm thinking, I feel like people start to get desperate at some point, don't they? At the start of the window, people see kind of see footballers. Well, if they don't have their transfers wrapped up within the first two weeks, that oh, well, they're not going to come for anyone. But it doesn't work like that. What teams do is wait and wait and wait and then panic and then just spend a load of money towards the end, especially someone like Sheffield United who lost Sander Berg literally two days before to Burnley and then obviously pounced and, and took Hamer off us. So, yeah, it's been it's been tough, mate, but obviously we've, we've we've spent money as well so we can't moan on that front i'd say we're probably three or four short of having a really strong team to challenge this year and we do look good in patches you can just see that we're just we're just trying to gel mate so yeah at the minute it's all all positive we've not had a terrible start we've won one drew one and lost one so going into a game against yourselves like you said it's um our good friend Sunderland that we all get on with each other really, really well. And it's one of those nice games where we're all humpty dory and we sing songs together and drink after the game. No, I'm joking. Exactly how yeah. I remember it. Exactly how I remember <laughs> it. And, and I do feel bad, obviously, going over that penalty shootout win. And I, I genuinely mean that because it's uh, uh, lost, sorry, because obviously it's it's tough and it's still in recent memory for you and stuff like that. And, and obviously I went through it myself in 98. Obviously, I was far yeah. younger and far better looking then, but um, <laughs> I did go through it. But, you, you know, you're looking back a few months after it happened and Coventry in, in some ways had such a bad start to the season that you probably yeah. wouldn't have expected where they got to. So when you look at last season, you know, how, how do you view it? Was it a success or was it ultimately it doesn't matter because you got beat or is it definitely foundations you can build on? Mate, to, to go from where where we were to then get to where we were was was pretty incredible because I'll I'll give you a backstory of, of, of myself really quickly of how sort of obviously we had we had the season and then we started off by obviously playing yourselves we drew 1-1 obviously we still had Jokeres we still had Hamer we did lose Callum O'Hare who was a big player for us the season before and um, he got injured literally the Friday before we played you on the Sunday it was the last training session he pulled his hamstring so we were like oh that, that's a massive blow to us and he was obviously a key player for us that season so we were thinking oh goodness me like losing O'Hare was devastating and then obviously we drew 1-1. We could have beat you in that game. You could have beat us. It was quite a nice game. Obviously, it was a, a rivalry sort of game to start the season. And then pretty much from after that game, it just went downhill. We had the news about the stadium. Obviously, we were meant to play Rotherham. The second game, well, the first home game, second game, got called off because of the stadium situation. Then it was just a downward spiral from then. And I remember being on the on the way to Millwall, I think it was away, um, and that was when we found out about actually we were meant to play another home game, which had then been called off. I was actually in London, so Coventry fans were on a you can imagine midsummer when it's boiling hot, you're drinking on the way to an away game, getting drunk. There's loads of Leicester fans because they were playing Tottenham at the time. You've seen loads of rivals, you're thinking, buzzing. Get, go on your Twitter or whatever and you see the club have announced that you now can't play another home game and it's just like what is going on here like how how is this happening to us again and then to top it all off we then played Holloway I remember and to pretty much summarise our season in a nutshell Dom Hoyle moved, moved on to Blackburn last year probably our best defender the season before um, to just to generate some funds, we pretty much rejected three million at the start of the window by Blackburn and then sold him for one and a half million because we were desperate for money. And we announced that 
before kickoff on our team sheet away at Hull. So we were away at Hull again, drinking in the sun, having a nice day, trying to get over things. Then you look at your team sheet and then you just see in a little section, just so you're aware, Coventry City have accepted a bid by um, Blackburn Rovers for Dominic Hyam, so he will not be included in today's matchday squad. That that period of time was just like, what, what, what do you even do? You know that other teams are then going to start absolutely rinsing you on Twitter as well. Teams that don't like you, teams like yourself, Sunderland fans are going to be, oh, you've got no ground. Definitely was so, us that, yes. Yeah, less, <laughs> less, less fans doing the same. You've got Villa fans, but Birmingham fans, you know what I mean? Blues fans going, oh, do you want a ground share again? We can rent you a stage. You know what I mean? All the stuff that you see and it's just like, it is the, to, I'll be totally honest with you, I know people take the mick, but it is one thing I would not wish on any team to be in the situation we are because until you're actually in it you don't actually know how like it's not even hot it's disgusting like to actually be just allowed to just be have a free for not have a stadium and I'm not just talking about our owners I'm talking about the EFL all of the other regulators and people who are involved to allow and I'm not being big-headed we are still a big club in this division for someone like Coventry City to yeah. not have a stadium and for it to go on as long as it did it was ridiculous it was just like how on earth are we getting to a stage of this again where we've, we've literally got no stadium it was just like is this ever going to end and then obviously they come to some form of agreement um we got our first win against against Middlesbrough at home um and then that kind of really sort of mid-October time at the the Rico that was when we actually started to change our season and then we went on quite a good run then um and I remember we beat QPR at home 2-0 just before the World Cup and they had Michael Beale as their manager at the time and that was when they were doing really really well like they were top of the league at the time like they were right near the top um and we beat them 2-0 and that was when we felt like we were getting our club back, if that makes sense. Um, and then obviously we had the World Cup break, come back. Doug King was the owner, people sort of a bit umming and ahhing. Um, and then another kick in the teeth was when the stadium went up and Wasps went bust. Obviously, we were, <laughs> it's horrible to say, we were buzzing when they, when they went bust. So that was the best, most music to our ears we've ever heard was that rugby club going bust because they were just an absolute tragedy of for us, it was just horrific them being involved in anything to do. They pretty much were part of the reason why we weren't in our home anymore. So we hated them as you as you as you would. Um, but yeah, obviously we then the stadium was up for sale. A lot of Cough fans thought finally they have to give it to us. And then of course your your old uh, your old rivals, friend and foe, Mr. Mike Ashley decided didn't need to come and swoop in and uh, and take the stadium under his wings and they managed to grant it to him. So uh we really liked yeah, him in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, you you loved him because he made them crap, didn't he? So he uh, he he basically just used and abused Newcastle, didn't he, to be honest, for a long time. He was uh he was he, he was like a Sunderland fan at heart, wasn't he, with the stuff he did to them. So <laughs> um but yeah, he uh he obviously come in and took the stadium. But Joe, you know I won't say anything bad about the guy because from the minute he's come in, he has basically said the football club was so big to this stadium. We've not bought this to do what other people have done, like where they've bought it. And so he said, we've bought this because we want the arena, but the football club has to be here. He's not daft. He, he's, a, he's a money bloke. He's all about money. He knows we're a club on the up, and I'm not being funny, he's pretty much picked the perfect time to buy that stadium because we've now got 20,000 season ticket holders there this year. 
that's without away fans and all the other revenue you get in there. We've got boxes that are now being sold for £25,000 each that you can buy in there. We do, I mean, we've got all these players that we've sold. We've got money in our club now. We've got an owner who's actually willing to spend. So he's looked at it and thought, right, let's give this club what they want. So obviously we've got a Premier League pitch that you'll see on Saturday. It's a really best pitch we've ever had. Unbelievable service. We'll, we've changed the... Um, the dugout, so they're all Coventry City. You probably saw it maybe when we played Middlesbrough on the telly. It's all Coventry City badges and stuff all over it. The changing rooms, we've moved back to the old changing rooms now where we originally were. And it's almost like a Man City style, like BTEC Man City. You know where they've got like the badge in the middle that like um that teams do? And then it, it goes round in like a circle and then the players have got them um, digital TV screens with like their names above and the kids. We've basically done it out like that. And you can just tell there's like a bit more of an aura and it does feel like it does feel like home and I think he is willing to listen and maybe potentially in the future I'm not never say never he might sell part of it to the football club because he's a he's a businessman and if he thinks the business side is doing well enough that he can get rid of 30 40 percent of it I think he, he might do so because it's a benefit and it is it is a business and an asset to him so I won't knock him on that and yeah it's to go back to your point to go from where we were there to where we are now obviously we've got a bit more pressure on us this year to see where we end up but last year was definitely to go from the slum of the slums to end up where we are was a we were we were a kick we were a kick away from the premier league not even a game a kick yeah <laughs> we did not we lost i think we lost once in 22 games i believe if you include the playoffs or 23 games and that was to stoke we had an absolute stinker at home we lost four nil but bar that we went on an unbelievable run where we just didn't lose Luton didn't beat us all season Middlesbrough didn't beat us all season Joe you know, these teams that are up there couldn't couldn't win against us their fans even said look we took it we, we took us to literally a penalty kick to beat you like they couldn't beat us in normal time that was what was so sickening about it I'd have rather have been sat here and gone right we lost 3-0 and we bottled it to be honest yeah we were, we were rubbish it was one of them but to get within one kick away it's something I'll never get over. It's it's a sickener. Like it really is a horrible thing to 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 digest, and you you'll never get over it as a fan. But you have to park it. And we've got a new we've got a lot of new players at our club now this year as well. So we've really got to we've got to take that momentum and the aura we've got on the money and push that into this team we've got now and really get behind them. A bit like yourselves, you know, you've got a young a young team. You've got some good players there that. You can be negative, and obviously we all are. We'll all have times we're like, oh, fuck this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you, the bigger picture is if you get behind the team and you have and you have good managers, you, you're going to get more success than you are if you're just constantly on on their back. And we know with Mark Robbins, he can. Everyone knows he can he can deliver in this league. He's a he's a what I would call a goat of the championship. He knows this league inside out, inside out. Sorry, and how to get his teams playing. So yeah, we obviously overachieved last year but it was like it was like an overachievement that was like a kick in the bollocks as well at the same time because of how close we were that makes sense so yeah I think you look at Robbins as well and I think I don't know I, I, it sounds like this sounds like a really ridiculous thing to say I don't know whether or how well Robbins would do at other clubs I just think it's a perfect marriage but you talked about new new team new players that have came in there now it would be completely wrong of me. I know you've signed two strikers, but there's one I'm really interested in. Um, I think you banked the best part of 30, 35 million for your two players that you brought in. Bit more money there because of the change of ownership. Um, 
you can't really judge any player on three games. I get that, but I'm going to ask you to anyway. Um, some of that money went on Ella Sims, who, to yeah. be honest, at Sunderland is a finisher excellent. Not always the best in his, his hold-up play, but very much a very good finisher and someone that I would have had back in a heartbeat. But he's played two games and obviously he was dropped on Saturday, I think. What's what's the early opinions? And I know obviously that's not the definite opinion, but the early opinions on Ellis. <laughs> well, funny enough, when I, when we signed him, I text my mate, Sunderland fan, and he said, good goal scorer. He said he'll score goals. He said, but he's not what you think he is in terms. Of, he said, if you're looking at, he said, if you're looking at a Jokeres level, who, in my opinion, and actually in my mate's opinion, was the best striker out and out. No, in the I division. agree. I agree with by you. On country that. Mile. On his day, I don't think there was anyone like Victor Jokeres in that division. Best striker in the division by a oh, landslide you, last year. You, you actually, like, his presence as a player... I actually used to watch teams and when he got the ball in the channel and was running with it, you saw away fans think, oh, fuck, we're in trouble here because they knew how good he is. Like, he was one of those players that you just knew as soon as he got it in a certain position that it was it was trouble because he's he's that good of a player. It's like Hamer. If Hamer got the ball on the edge of the box and you give him time to switch it 60 yards, fans knew or if they got it on the edge of the box and he had a shot you're in trouble. Those players carried such individual quality and they were such a better level than the championship. So yeah, to, to obviously compare him to him, my mate said he's nothing like that. I think the thing with Sims is, is like you said, I noticed it at Leicester away. <laughs> at half time, we all kind of turned to each other and went, yeah, he's not Victor Ocarez, is he? Because he kept getting the ball in those positions. You know, the best way to describe him was he looked like he had pace, but he had cement on the bottom of his shoes that were like stopping him from having pace, if that makes sense. He runs really, really straight. It's almost like he glides, if that makes sense, but it's really like slow motion. There's no there's no quickness to him. It's just like, it's like he goes like that when he has the ball. He's but just, I think, just got in front of goal. That's literally yeah, all that's, he is. I think, and yeah. that's the problem at the minute. I felt really sorry for the guy because I've said to people for a while, look, he's 22. He's really young. He's hold up play for someone as big as he is. I'll be honest, he's naff at the moment. But I think that is what Mark Robbins will make him better because Jokerez, when he signed, his hold up play dreadful the minute he worked under Robbins for two years look how much better he was at holding up the ball so give Sims season season and a half I think that side of his game will develop he's never going to be quick he's never going to be an in the channels player but as we've seen from clips if you can get it in behind to him or you can square it or cross it mate he's a lethal striker in the box and I actually felt sorry for him um, we played obviously we played Middlesbrough not this Saturday the one before and won 3-0 um <laughs> we bought on, I'll touch on him in a minute, but the other striker, Hadji Wright, and obviously Sakamoto another signing. Um, and all game, we'd not really crossed the ball in the air or anything for him. Obviously, that's what he wants. So I've seen him score headers for, obviously, you guys. He scored headers for us in pre-season. The minute he went off, there was balls being whipped in left, right and centre. I just thought, this guy must just think, I've been on this pitch for 60 minutes and I've not had one single cross like that to try and attack. Everything's been to my feet or trying to, you know, work stuff himself. But the minute he goes off, it was like, cross, cross. And I just thought, he must just think, uh, it's got to come for me at some point. But he is the type of player he just needs that one chance where the ball gets put in the box it ricochets it bounces to him and he can just blast it in the net like he just needs that just to give him a bit of confidence and the minute that happens we'll have a poacher basically who, who will poach goals for us and could easily probably this year get 10 12 15 goals from just poaching yeah. 
Um, I think so. I think a lot of people I saw on Twitter, people said, oh, Ellis Sims is naff, he's crap, blah, blah, blah. And there's been Cov fans who have said he's not that good. But there's a reason that Robbins has bought him. For, uh, also, a lot of people say you spent £8 million on him. We didn't spend £8 million. It's £5 million because basically it's £3.5 million with once he plays a certain amount of games and scores a certain amount of goals, it goes to five, which is going to happen. So I'd put it at five. The eight is only if we get to the Premier League. So the minute we get to the Premier League, then you can value him as an £8 million striker. But at the moment, he's a £5 million striker. So take it or leave it. People might say, oh, he's not worth that. But I see it as an asset because if he scores me 12 to 15 goals this season... I take that all day long for £5 million. I'm not going to decline it. And I know from speaking to yourself, um, obviously my mate who's a Sunderland fan, Jack, he said he, if, if he is given the ball in a position, he's not a spooner. He, he will score. Now, he did spoon one against Leicester, but I think that was a that was a confidence thing. And obviously, because he's not very quick, I think he just kind of panicked a little bit and thought, oh God, <laughs> I need to just try and do something here. And he spooned it. But I think once he gets one... That's when in them situations and over tra- over training periods and things like that, he'll start to get a bit more of a feel for it. And he's still working out how we play as well. It's a totally different style of play to what he's used to and how we work. And he's playing with different players. He's been at Everton and then he's been out on loan at Sunderland. Do you know what I mean? Sunderland play completely different football to how, how mm-hmm. Cobb do. It's just like styles, players, everything. So it's going to take him a bit of adjustment time. So, yeah. People can write him off, and uh, <laughs> a lot of Sunderland fans probably will. But like I said to Borough fans, um, I know a Borough fan that I spoke to before the game, I said, I wouldn't tweet anything about him, mate, because I know the one rule as a cough fan is if I ever slag a player <laughs> off, mate, they come and score against you that same game. So I wouldn't do it. So uh, I know that any Sunderland fans that start giving Sims crap on Twitter, it's probably going to stick one in the net on Saturday. <laughs> we, I'm, I'm almost, if anyone's listening to this, I'm not going to give you my prediction till the end, but one prediction I will give you is that he will score. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure there's one or two situations where this hasn't been the case, but Sunderland fans will back me up on this. I think every player that we've sold that we've played against in the past, like two, three seasons, has scored to the point where we let a player go on a free transfer. Uh, Chris Maguire, playing for Lincoln, now plays for Eastleigh. Um, as well. Four goals a season, three of them against Sunderland and one game at the stadium, right? And it's hasn't quite got that bad yet, but yes, Sims will score. But I agree with Sims. I think um, he was his first game, he scored twice, and you thought, oh, blooming heck. But when you look back at it, it's just just two chances he had in the box, and he scores again. He didn't score for weeks after that. And there were some Southern fans that didn't rate him. Um, I think the majority liked him, but I think everyone could agree he's someone who. He's every bit. He's, he's he looks like he should be an Isle Quinn, but he's much more of a Kevin Phillips. If I can give him, yeah, he's analogy. yeah, yeah, he's he he's got a lot of work to do. Put it that way. Yeah. He, Robbins, Robbins is not daft, and Robbins will have said to him, "You're going to have to work really, really hard when you come to this team, especially to stay in it." And obviously. I, I don't judge players after three games. I'm not judging any of our players at the moment. Like if we lose on Saturday, obviously. We've said it's a it's a bit of a rivalry, so we don't want to lose. But I'm not going to go, oh, my God, we've lost to Sunderland. We're going to be crap this year because that's not the case. We've played three teams this year. Leicester, who are probably going to be up there to win the league. Middlesbrough, who are probably going to be in and around there once they start to gel. And then obviously Swansea, who have got a good team as well. And each one of their 
all I've seen every single team's fans and spoke to have said, you've got a good side this year. You'll be in and around there again. You're going to give teams a really good run for their money. So when teams say that to you, if you if teams think you're rubbish or you won't, you, you just got lucky against them, they just go, oh, that team's not very good. But we're playing a completely different way this year. So I've got no qualms about it. I think it will click for Sims at some point. I just think it's going to take him a bit of time to get out of first gear. I think he needs to just learn to play our style of play, improve his hold-up play. And then once he gets that first goal and that's off his shoulders, then he can just relax a little bit more and hopefully it will start to to come. And if he gets 12 goals, 15 goals this year, like I said, it will prove out to be quite a nice little little signing for us. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be fine. Um, in terms of your strikers that you have brought in, you mentioned obviously the new signing, but the one that's scoring the goals at the moment is an old name, um, someone that, to be fair, has scored goals every season, but maybe he was less prolific last season. And you look at Jokeres, but Matt Godden, two and three. Correct me if I'm wrong, you'll, you'll tell me this. I'm pretty certain he had a fairly bad injury, which knocked him a bit. Um, or he wasn't playing as much for X, Y, or Z reasons. Is he looking a bit more like the Matt Godden that we maybe saw in 2021-ish? Yeah, when is God and never injured? That's the problem. He's a ticking time <laughs> So I was right he, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, basically he's he's one of those players that just never stays fit. Like I actually said, like people will crucify me for this. Like, don't worry. I wanted to part ways with him in January because he he didn't his link up play last year was abysmal. He did miss a few. Obviously, he's a clinical striker in front of goal. Everyone give him a chance, and he he will bury it. I know against Leicester, he had a nightmare, but ever since then, it just sometimes he he did it against you last year at home. He had that one chance where he completely missed an open goal. After that, that was off his shoulders. Then he always on a first game always seems to drop a stinker and will miss a few chances. But then after that, it will go it will go completely off him and he'll start scoring. But the thing with Godden is is it's about staying fit, and that's why. It's really important at this moment in time, we've got the other boy, Hadji Ryder, who I'll touch on in a moment, but it's really important that Sims, going back to him, stays focused because Godden is, at the minute, doing brilliant. Godden is fine. But Godden, I can guarantee you, will get an injury or a niggle at some point, whether it be in the next two weeks, the next month, the next two months. Something will happen where Godden will be out or he'll be injured. Now, that's the time where Sims will need to come in and play alongside Roy and really can give it a run for his money. Or Robbins will just rotate so that Godden doesn't get injured, as an example. Like at the minute, he's not going to drop him, but maybe in a couple of games' time, he might think, right, Godden's maybe said, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit tight, Gaffer, you know, can I sit on the bench type of thing? And then Sims will come in just so that we don't injure Godden and lose him completely. So, yeah, I think he has definitely, he looks sharper this year. I'll give him that. He looks really sharp. I think now... He likes the fact he's got strikers that link up play with him. Jokerez wasn't really a link up striker, I'll be honest. Jokerez was a very much get it to him into the channels and he will do good things with the ball and make opportunities for his teammates. But he would never really look to right, right, Matty, let's do a one, two and try. It, he was never that type of player. Whereas Hadji Wright and Sims are like that. They look for their partner a lot more. And I think that complements Godden a lot more. And it almost looks like. He's got a bit more hunger in him this year. And um, Wardy, Tom Ward, who actually does some of the Sky Blues extra stuff with myself, with myself. shout out to Tom Ward. Obviously, he's just gone travelling. Um, he knows Matty Godden and we, we all take them and go, oh, football friends, because he, he WhatsApps in. Um, but Matty Godden said to him on WhatsApp before the season, he said, I feel, basically, I feel really good, mate. Best I've felt in about three years during pre-season, um, feeling sharp and ready to go. So he knows himself. He had a bit of confidence before a ball was even kicked. So I think at the minute, 
he's probably in his best form of like period of form since like you said a couple of years ago when he wasn't as injury prone and he's definitely someone Sunderland fans do not want to give the ball to or him to get it in the box because if he does if he gets it he, he will stick it in the net and he, he will he will score especially with the rain and um, vein of form he's on at the minute he will literally just get it and fire it in the goal so um yeah it all depends whether he stays fit, mate. I'll be totally honest. And I'm not going to, I would not put £50 on Matty God and staying fit for the next six months because it's not, it's never looking likely. But I really touch wood and hope that he does stay fit because he's a really nice guy. He, he looks super fit um, and, and he scores goals. And also, my mom's a, my mom's quite a big fan of him as well. It's eye candy for <laughs> her. Um, she, she, she likes Matty. I always get a text when he scores or something. It'd be my, me, I, I see my boyfriend's just scored with a kiss. <laughs> so she's a big fan and hopefully I hope he stays fit. I think a lot of other women will probably vouch for that at the <laughs> at the Cov games as well. But um, yeah. Fingers crossed, mate. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, hopefully he does safe it. And he is he is one to watch on Saturday for you guys. Definitely. You don't want to give him the ball in and around the box. If he does, he probably nine times out of ten, I'd back him to put it in the back of the net. I remember him scoring in the first minute against us and talking about yeah. um, men who were favourable with our mums. Ali McCoyster's mind for those wondering. So, uh, which is not a bad show. Um, yeah, to be fair. Good old Ali. Yeah, oh yeah. Great, great guy. I think when you look at the... The matches last season. I know we didn't come on the right, come out the right side of any of them from a Sunderland perspective, but there were two really good battles that I really enjoyed. Um, obviously one-one, Jocker scores that great goal. Um, towards the end, we go one 0 up, two-one at your place. We get a couple of chances. We have more possession than Jocker I think, uh, dominates us a few times. But two really good battles. But we started the season a little bit different to you. Two defeats, but then obviously we've got a win. I know you don't watch Sunderland as much as you watch Coventry, and that's kind of why you're on here. But from the outside looking in, what have you made of Sunderland? And do you think we could make of it this year? Or do you think this might be more of a consolidation year? What have you what have you sort of made? Because you have a bit more experience than some of the clubs, because you've been in League One, you've had that couple of seasons in League One, you've seen the progression and what can happen where we're second season at the moment. So yeah, Mowbray's a weird one because obviously he managed us for a little bit, didn't he? So we know Mowbray quite well, but he will get you playing good football. And to be honest, I do like a lot of your players. I think in wide areas, you have got a lot of threats. Like Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, Lyndon Gooch. You've added Bradley Dack, if he can stay fit. That's his biggest problem. Um, obviously, Joe Bellingham. Um, the only thing at the minute is you don't have, obviously, Stuart up front, who just seems to never be able to stay fit. He's a bit like Matty Godden. I think that's what probably is going to cost him a move, isn't it? Because there was a lot of clubs that seemed to be interested in him. And he is a good player on his day. He's someone that I said if we were to lose Jokeres, I mean, we probably wouldn't get him or we we could have if we offered the money. But I said Cobb should go, go in for Stuart because I like him. I think he's got a lot of attributes at this level level-headed, knows where the net is. I've seen him score goals for Sunderland from speaking to my mate Jack. He said, really good player. Obviously, he watches him a lot. Big Sunderland fan. So, yeah, I think you've got some good players. The only areas of the pitch that not concern me for you that I look at as a Coventry fan and think, right, we're going to cause them a bit of problems there, is the middle of the park. Obviously, I think we've got Ben Sheaf, who is a very good footballer at this level. Have you probably seen some of the interceptions? He can dominate a game in the middle of the park. Josh Eccles is another young boy, but he's 22, 23 now. He's got a big future ahead of him. And obviously, Hamer's just left. So now you've gone from having a young Josh Eccles that knows that Hamer and, and Sheaf are there to Hamer's gone now. I can actually stamp my mark and play in this team if I play well. So he's had two brilliant games ever since Hamer's gone. Um, 
and has really, really looked the part in there. Um, so I would look at the, the central areas and also I'll be I'll be honest, Luco Nine and Dan Ballard is a little bit um, um Luco Nine is a nice footballer. Like he's a real if you have him in your team, he's a real shit house, isn't he? You just know he's gonna wind people up. He's do you know what I mean? He's he's I'd put him on to get booked, do you know what I mean, all the time because you just know he's one of them players. But when I look at the fact we've got an experienced pro like Matty Godden up front, who's really, really experienced, who can play on that, and also who I was going to touch on a bit more, our new striker, Hadji Wright. This boy is very, very interested. We paid just under £8 million for him. And I'll be honest, you're not going to have seen much of him or known much of him. But one, he knows where the net is. I'll tell you that after his goal against Middlesbrough that you've seen. And two, he is lightning quick. Like I am talking for a bloke that is six foot four. When you, I didn't, I heard he was fast, but when I, when I actually watched him, I was like, oh my God, he is rapid. He is so, so quick. It is unbelievable for someone his size. So we've got the pick of the bunch in terms of right. He's, Right, who's like the almost B-Tech Jokeres in a way. He's got very similar attributes to him in terms of his his pace and his physicality. And he's he's a better finisher than Jokeres. I'll probably say that in terms of out-and-out finishes. I think if you give him the chances Jokeres had last year, maybe not some of the individual quality ones where like Jokeres just turned and shot, but the out-and-out sh um, shots and ones that probably Jokeres missed, I, I'd put my money on right to probably score some of those goals. So um, he'll cause some problems as well. And then obviously we've got people like Casey Palmer in the 10, who's a really good player at this level. We've got the new um, Japanese boy Sakamoto as well, who looks really, really sharp, a real technician of a player, really quick feet gets the ball out of his feet he can play in the tenor as a wing back and um, we've got our, our wing backs Jada Silva really good experienced pro as well and um, at this level good wing back and then obviously Milan Van Ivak who's our um our other right wing back that we paid a good bit of money for from Holland he's really really fast wing back as well so looking at your team with ours for me personally at the moment I think our team would cause you more problems than you would us and that's not me just being biased that's me genuinely saying that but I do worry if we did give the ball away in a bad area of the pitch that at the other end you've got Bradley Dack, Joe Bellingham, Patrick Roberts and Jack Clark all ready to pounce and attack on you so <laughs> um, that side of it does worry me and I always do think if we do lose the ball in a bad area of the pitch some, or a, a transition happens or something like that you you could easily score a goal because you've got lightning quick players who are pretty ruthless in front of goal as well so um, I do expect some problems from your end but as you will know I expect us as a home team and to be full of confidence after a 3-0 when I expect us to cause to cause you guys a lot of problems as well especially in that backline area where I think we've got a lot of threats that will will hurt sort of 09 and Ballard and players like that. So it's going to be an interesting game. It really is. It always is when we play you guys anyway, but obviously you're shaping up a little bit different last year and you're pretty much playing with a false nine, aren't you, with Bradley Dapp up front? So it's almost like you're not playing with a striker. So it's going to be interesting to see how you move around the pitch and how you set up. So yeah, it, it, it does it does leave us for a good game, I think. But I mean, I'm interested to see how we get on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Because I don't pay anymore for um, Zoom Pro, I've cut me down to a minute here, so I'm going to push you for a, a prediction. I, I think we'll get beaten. I, I hate saying that, but we never have a good game of Coventry, so I'll take I'll take 2-1, but quickly before I let you go, Ross, what's your prediction, mate? 
I said on Sky Blues Extra, um, which will come out, um, it will come out yesterday. I said I think we'll win two nil. Um, so I'm going to go for a two nil win to Coventry. I think because we should have really beat you that that scoreline last year. Apart from Diallo had that bit of quality, really. So I think it will just be a two nil. I think at home we're better at home than we are away. So I'm going to go with a two nil win to Coventry. That's fair, Ross. Ross, this will cut off in a minute. So I thank you for joining me, mate. Um, yeah. I hope you're wrong. I it's hope I'm wrong. Off. But if not. You know, I'm sure we'll reconvene it near the end of the season. But thanks so much, mate. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on and all the best this season to Sunderland as well. You too, mate. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Take care.